1: B.C. declares a state of emergency. This is a catastrophic event, and we need to work to get through it together. Military reinforcements coming to help. And flood water slowly receding in the Fraser Valley. Plus, fire tears through an RV storage lot, destroying hundreds of vehicles. Devastation in the farming industry.
2: I think people to the west of us here in Metro Vancouver have no idea what we're dealing with.
1: Thousands of animals lost in the effort to save those that remain. And no need to panic. We've got lots of ways to get products to our customers, and we're going to do that. A warning to stop hoarding as grocery stores adjust their supply chains.
3: You're watching Global BC.
1: This is Global News Hour at six. Good evening, and thank you for joining us. Sophie is off tonight. BC is now under a state of emergency, and receding floodwater is slowly revealing the scale of devastation in the Fraser Valley. Despite the damage, an all-out community effort to save the Barrowtown Pump Station made a huge difference last night. Grace Key is live with more on those getting credit for preventing an even worse disaster. Grace.
4: Yeah, it was such an amazing effort, mostly from a lot of folks out in Chilliwack. So we had first responders, retired first responders, farmers and just ordinary citizens all wanting to help. When word got out that the Barrowtown pumping station was under threat of flooding, 300 people answered the call for help. The message got out through social media and word of mouth. Volunteers made three lines and built a wall 40 feet long, five feet wide, and seven feet high. They arrived at midnight, and by 3:30 in the morning, they got the job done.
1: That was amazing. Like they, they were, they were so baffled how how it all happened. And then um, I know one of the city workers said, "This is like field of dreams. They just all came."
4: If that pump station goes down, Sumas Prairie reverts back into a lake. Its four pumps are operating at full capacity and they were never meant to take on an additional body of water. There was an electrical issue with one of the pumps on Tuesday, but that was restored.
1: The Fraser River uh, in the last 24 hours has dropped two metres, so a little over six feet. It needs to drop another metre before we can open up the floodgates at Barrowtown which will allow seven times more volume than those pumps, all four working full tilt.
4: <laughs> Dykes are also being inspected for breaches. You can see this massive breach along the Sumes River Dyke Trail near number three road. The hits just keep on coming for Abbotsford. A massive fire broke out at Fraser Way RV right in the flood zone. Firefighters dealt with thick black toxic smoke billowing in the sky, transmission lines above, and a propane-filling tank on one side. By mid-afternoon, they had it under control this as search and rescue efforts continue. North Shore Rescue helped evacuate 30 people overnight with night vision goggle flights and have been continuing with swift water technicians. And some of those rescued have been heading to the trade acts where emergency support services are being offered.
5: There are farms in our area and I feel sorry for them because they're just all water, all water. It's, it, it's devastating looking at all this water.
4: And some latest numbers, another 40 people this morning were rescued. Another 40 have decided to stay put. Last night, there are more than 140 that were rescued, mostly by air and by boat. Uh, now, the good news is that the evacuation order has been rescinded for the Huntington area, but there is definitely still concern in the north and in the east. Chris?
1: No doubt. Okay, Grace Key reporting for us tonight. We go from Abbotsford now to Lillooet where the recovery operation continues in better conditions today, with crews pulling battered vehicles out of a fatal mudslide that wiped many of them off the road. Ahmad Agahi is in Pemberton with the latest. Imad.
6: Well, Chris, we have learned that the RCMP has a list of three missing persons associated to this slide that has killed that one person, the woman from the Lower Mainland. Today, we flew over the site for the second time. And as you're about to see, some progress is being made. Challenging, complex and tragic. Just some of the words officials are using to describe the ongoing situation on the Duffy Lake Road section of BC's Highway 99. On Wednesday, one after another, crews extracted the crushed vehicles, either buried or pushed off the road by Monday morning's violent landslide. This is delicate work because happening on the same site is an active search and rescue.
7: At this point, sir. Our contractor continues to work closely with the RCMP, recognizing the sensitivity of the situation. Now,
6: what has changed in the last 24 hours, we're seeing a lot more crews here on the Duffy Lake Road, working on clearing two slides, one to our left and one further up ahead to our right.
3: The work is uh, very complex. Uh, geotechnical analysis of the area is being conducted and it it has to be deemed safe in order for the emergency specialists uh, to gain access to the search site.
6: A woman from the lower mainland remains the only confirmed fatality from the devastating mudslide but on Wednesday the RCMP added one person to the now total of three reported missing and unaccounted for.
3: There have been numerous other missing person reports uh, but we have uh, deconflicted Um, those reports to determine whether or not uh, those people were anywhere near that area.
6: The slide happened Monday morning, close to 10.30 a.m. Stories of narrow escapes have emerged since then. But here's one more.
8: I would have been going through around the 9, 10 o'clock mark if I was able to leave when I wanted to.
6: A previously broken window and a delay at the repair shop changed the course of this woman's planned trip through that very section of highway that day
8: something up there was looking down on me and um, you know accidents happen and sometimes you get frustrated because things happen but this time it happened for a reason
6: now there is no timeline as to when can reopen. What we are learning from the Ministry of Transportation is that crews have found that at least under one of those two slides, the concrete is still stable and it is intact. Uh, what we're also learning is that uh, if the road does open soon, it will be reserved to essential traffic
1: first. Chris. All right. Less damage, the better. Hopefully we'll get things open there. Thanks very much. Amadagahi for us in Pemberton tonight. Now, breaking news for those who've been stuck in hope for more than 48 hours cut off by mudslides. Highway 7 has partially reopened. Kamal Koromali has the details. And Kamal, at one point, more than 1,000 people were stranded there. Uh, what's the good news for them tonight?
9: Absolutely. Well, the province announced just about an hour ago, Chris, that Highway 7 has reopened for those who are trying to evacuate Hope BC and take a look at this. The race is on to get out of the district. Uh, There's only one lane open, only westbound traffic allowed to leave this district and not come back. But earlier today, uh, there was a lot of desperation to try and do exactly that and leave this community.
5: I know you're super not
9: happy right now, are you? Megan Boulanger is desperate to go home. A mother of two, her five-month-old baby Max has an extremely rare heart condition.
5: Worst case scenario, he goes into an episode of SVT um, and we can't get out of here. He could get really sick, like really sick.
9: He needs to get back to the lower mainland and his medication before his health gets worse.
5: His heart rate will accelerate that his, his medication keeps his heart rate Calm,
9: but that medication isn't available in Hope. The community cut off from the rest of the province. Her son cut off from the help he needs. This mother blames herself.
10: I feel really guilty for like leaving the coast. Like that. Like I should have just stayed home.
9: There have been long lineups outside pharmacies with limited supplies. People are only getting the medication they absolutely need, nothing more.
11: They're rationing everything, though. Give everybody a few, and then that's it.
9: While grocery stores are seeing even fewer supplies, save on foods running out of milk, eggs, and bottled water. I was just in there. Things are looking pretty bare.
7: They certainly are. Yes, they're, they're quite bare.
9: Some people caught hoarding goods. Well, it's kind of selfish. I think you know people should uh, they should they should stock up, but not overdo it you know this rest stop had hundreds of people pile in at one point
11: so everybody from hope and all the travelers were here and uh there's probably about 600 people
9: but say the district has begun flying in some supplies helping them stock up for the days ahead
10: you're gonna make me cry
9: (laughs) as for megan boulanger her desperate pleas were answered someone offered to pay for her flight home
10: i'm really relieved (laughs) We got it back, yeah. Thank you so much. You're
5: very welcome.
9: What started off as a day filled with fear now has a happy ending for at least one woman and her two sons. And now a happy ending for a lot more people, still bumper to bumper traffic. It'll be a long while until these people can get on Highway 7 and get home. But Chris, this is a temporary measure. Crews only opening one lane westbound on Highway 7, just so these people that don't live here can get home to the lower mainland. Then they'll close the highway down completely again so that they can fix the problems there on a more permanent basis. Back over to you.
1: All right, thank you very much for that, Kamal Karamali. Reporting for us live tonight. Now, among the most devastating scenes during the flood disaster are the images of farmers struggling to save their livestock. Ramina Dea is live now with more, and we're hearing thousands of animals have already been lost, Romina.
8: They have Chris it was so sad to hear the stories of farmers today who are just absolutely powerless to do anything it's situation critical tonight for thousands of far- farmers who are desperate to save their livestock hey, let's go. Let's go. Let's go. An incredible rescue by dairy farmers in the Sumas Prairie region of Abbotsford. Anything that could float, including a jet ski, was deployed to save cattle, which were neck deep in water. Calves were moved to the only dry spot left, the barn office, where they were fed and kept warm until they could be rescued.
3: It took four of my employees an hour to get this rigged up. Then on the way here, the tire blew in the middle of the highway, so we had to get guys to fix that. Then we got out here,
2: yeah, we moved 150 cows yesterday out. How long did that take?
10: All day.
8: We literally drove down Highway 1 in a jet boat to assess the damage. Hundreds of farms have been affected by flooding. Some are still underwater tonight. Roads are blocked, so emergency supplies cannot get through. Thousands of livestock are dead. Thousands more in danger of dying. We spoke to one poultry farmer with 30,000 hens. She said she's grateful for the help from her neighbors, but clean water and feed is running out.
5: Uh, animals need feed every every day and our feed order was supposed to come a
7: couple a couple days ago when this all hit and couldn't get here, so we need feed. Well, everything needs feed and everything needs water for sure, so um, it would be detrimental to the life of our birds if we don't get it.
4: Over the last two days I've been able to have um, FaceTime discussions with farmers and some of them are in their barns and some of their barns are flooded and you can see the animals that are deceased, and it's heartbreaking.
8: Now, Chris, the Minister of Agriculture, Lana Popham, says she understands that the next 24 hours are going to be critical. She said that the government is working on access routes, trying to get veterinarians to farms, and getting food and water to livestock. Back to you.
1: It is critical. Okay, thanks very much, Romina. That's Romina Dea reporting for us tonight. Highway washouts and landslides are, of course, causing major supply chain issues in southern B.C. And despite assurances that there will be no shortage of supplies, some people are already panic buying. As John Waugh reports, the people responsible for getting products back on the shelves say everyone needs to calm down.
12: Like a wave of panic, it started in the B.C. interior.
1: The produce and the meat were, were basically
13: empty. Nothing there.
12: Floods and landslides pushing people to load up their shopping carts. Concerned about the effect shipping route shutdowns will have on grocery store supply.
5: They're pretty bare. Here, superstore, it's all the same.
12: Now that ripple of desperation reaching other regions of British Columbia. Shelves are being left empty in Abbotsford. Purchase limits placed on items in the lower mainland.
3: Please do not hoard items. What you need, your neighbours need as well. We are confident that we can restore our supply chains in a quick and orderly manner.
12: The panic buying focused mostly on perishable items like milk, meat and eggs. Much of it produced locally in the Fraser Valley, heavily affected by flooding.
8: Definitely heartbreaking. Uh, Eighty percent of the egg farms in B.C. are in Abbotsford and Chilliwack. However, not all of them are in the evacuation zones of the Sumas Prairie and Yarrow.
12: While days worth of dairy had to be poured down the drain because tanker trucks were unable to pick up the product, the message from local farmers is for the public to be patient.
11: I wouldn't panic, but yes, it, we will. We're trying to get things back as, to normal as quickly as possible. But right now, the families and the animals are made concerned.
12: For those rushing to stock up in Metro Vancouver and the Island, Save On Food says that's completely unnecessary.
3: Their intentions are are obviously are obviously good, but that, that there's no issues in Vancouver. We've got two major distribution centers. For
12: other parts of the province, product is being sourced from other suppliers. Medicine is being flown by air, and shipments are also coming from Edmonton and Calgary.
3: If we have to, we'll get a Sigorsky helicopter and drop trailers in our parking lot, if that's what it comes to. There is plenty
12: to be concerned about in the wake of this disastrous weather emergency. The hope is this time hoarding can be crossed off the list. Sean Hua, Global News. Craziness isn't just at grocery
1: stores. We saw long lineups today at some gas stations in Victoria. Again, floods and road closures across the province are being blamed for supply chain issues impacting deliveries. Victoria police have put out a notice encouraging people lining up for gas not to block intersections. But again, there is no indication that there will be shortages of what you need. Now, the declaration of a state of emergency comes three full days after the catastrophic rainstorm that had been accurately forecast. It gives the province wide-ranging powers to stop hoarding and limit travel. But Richard Zussman reports the government is being criticized for making the call way too late.
11: First, it was COVID.
12: Okay, thank you. Have a safe night.
11: Then fires, and now for the third time this year, British Columbians living under a provincial state of emergency.
3: There's not a person that hasn't been affected or will not be affected by the events of this past weekend.
11: Flooding and landslides have destroyed critical infrastructure and shut off communities. The state of emergency gives the province power to prevent hoarding. By being able to procure products, fix prices or ration food, clothing, fuel, equipment or essential supplies, as well as access facilities to distribute.
3: Respect the fact that you do not need 48 eggs. A dozen will do and leave the rest for somebody else.
11: A key part to keeping supply chains open and avoid possible rationing is reopening roads. The province is hoping to have Highway 3 open this weekend, and the state of emergency allows the province to prioritize travel on the road to essential vehicles only or restrict travel entirely to some areas.
3: As we get more
1: capacity, we will change um, the uh, instructions about how to drive uh, highway networks that we reopen. Our transportation infrastructure is crippled, and we need to ensure that it comes back online as quickly as possible, and we are prioritizing essential access.
11: The federal government providing help as well. The Canadian forces have been dispatched to the province.
2: There are hundreds of Canadian Armed Forces members uh, currently headed to British Columbia to help with everything from supplies to evacuation to whatever is needed.
11: There were calls growing to call this state of emergency, but also for the province to use an emergency alert system. Public Safety Minister Mike Farnworth says it's not fully operational yet, but even if it was, the province wasn't going to use it because the municipalities didn't want it.
3: That's how these decisions need to be made, by the experts on the ground, not by experts on Twitter.
0: Alberta managed to warn the people of the severe weather event this weekend. So did Washington state. This government did nothing.
11: The underlying message from B.C., these measures only get us so far, but it will be the perseverance of all of us that get us through this crisis. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria.
1: Sunnier, drier conditions have certainly been helping today, but the next weather system is moving in. Senior meteorologist Christy Gordon joins us now with what we should expect. Christy.
7: Well, Chris, no doubt there's going to be a lot of people nervous tomorrow as the rain starts to move in. Here's what we're expecting, though, and you can expect it to be minimal rainfall amounts. So we're talking about anywhere from 4 to 7 millimeters across the south coast region and even less into the interior regions. And even despite that rainfall, uh, an update this afternoon from the BC River Forecast Centre, they have downgraded the majority of the rivers to just a high stream flow advisory. They expect the rivers to continue to recede. Now, having said that something that's not on this map the sumas river and areas near the u.s border still under a flood warning however they do expect despite the rainfall tomorrow they are expecting it to continue to recede and recover in the next few days in the short term when i come back chris though we'll be talking about the next major rainstorm when you can expect it and which areas we'll see the most
1: all right we'll check in very soon thanks a lot christy the biggest barrier to a short cross-border trip might be coming to an end. The requirement for that expensive PCR test keeps many people from crossing. But you'll hear what the authorities say about it next on the News Hour. Homes nearly buried in Roberts Creek and the washouts bringing rail traffic to a halt. Continuing coverage of the significant storm damage around our province. Later. Also, roller derby reborn at the PNE, dusting off an old track to breathe new life into the sport. That's coming up on the news hour as well. Right now, though, good news if you were hoping to make a quick hop across the border. Ottawa is set to drop the PCR test requirement for returning Canadians. As Ted Chernecki reports, it's welcome news for border towns that say the current rules are costly and cumbersome and do little to protect Canadians.
3: Nowhere has the uncertainty along the Canadian-U.S. border crossing been more impactful than in Point Roberts, a U.S. exclave marooned from the American mainland. It's a peninsula south of YVR that's heavily reliant on Canadian visitors and vacation homeowners. I, I'm totally supportive. Don't get me wrong, I totally support it,
1: but I think they need to take a closer look at Point Roberts and broaden it a bit without any
3: fear of COVID transmission. Ottawa will soon date still unknown. Lift the requirement for those expensive PCR tests for any Canadians returning from the U.S. We will have an announcement to make in the coming days.
8: Would that
4: include lifting the PCR test requirements?
3: As I said, we'll make an announcement in the coming days. It's expected to apply nationwide to anyone, double vaccinated of course, who leaves but returns to Canada within 72 hours. Before the pandemic, Point Roberts had almost one and a half million individual crossings per year. But in 2020, when the border closed in March that year, visitations dropped to 273,000. And in June to June this year, now just a trickle, 44,000.
1: Over half stay a day or less. So think about that vis-a-vis our economy. Shopping gas stations, parcel posts uh, to the marketplace, the boats that
3: come down to their boats um and their homes of course Recently a Canadian traveled from New Westminster to his property in Point Roberts it took him days to get there and back and cost him hundreds of dollars a flight from Boundary Bay right over Point Roberts to Bellingham clear customs flight back to Point Roberts 4 days winterizing his cabin no vehicle it was
12: go nonstop go 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 PCR test grocery store fire and then sleep up and kind of doing all the yard work, all the chores, and try to
3: consolidate that all in one working day. Canada's current travel restrictions expire on Sunday. Ted Chernecki Global News. And here's a quick look at the latest
1: COVID-19 numbers for the province. We have 324 new cases and 3,380 active cases. 379 people are in hospital. 109 patients are in the ICU Seven more people have died from complications of the virus, including a person in their 20s. And 86.9% of eligible British Columbians are now fully vaccinated. Up next, small towns struggling to cope.
7: It's really hard on the staff that are, are looking after the city at this point.
1: From Merritt to Princeton, why recovery is still a long way off, even as the water recedes. And what Disney is doing to make sure its child cruises aren't COVID hotspots.
7: Traffic is busy here in Coquitlam. Cruiser on the scene to a multi vehicle accident. It looks like it's westbound on Lowheat Highway at Colony Farm. Planning a trip with BCAA Travel Insurance, you get free COVID 19 medical coverage and worldwide virtual care from BC's Top Choice. I'm Trish in Global One, high above Lowheat Highway and Colony Farm.
1: Take a look at the scene along Ocean Beach Esplanade in Roberts Creek on the Sunshine Coast. Cabin owners there say the saturated land gave way either late Sunday night or early Sunday morning and buried several cabins in the process. A resident tells us this is the third time this has happened in the past two years. Owners have hired an excavator to try to start digging out from under the mess. The cleanup and repairs from flooding on Vancouver Island continues with one of the region's main highways still a nightmare for travelers. Motorists on the Malahat are waiting for up to three hours as repairs to the highway are necessitating one lane alternating traffic. Officials say it'll take at least six days to fix the road. In the Cowichan Valley, which was hit hard by floodwaters, residents and the local First Nation are blaming upstream debris from logging for making a bad situation worse. They say the debris formed a natural dam when it hit a local bridge, generating higher floodwaters upstream. Two of the hardest hit communities in the interior are still struggling to recover with little relief in sight. Officials in Merritt are still trying to get their waste treatment system back up. And as Kylie Stan reports, the community of Princeton has issued a new, wider evacuation alert.
10: Days after being ordered to evacuate, these scenes are still playing out. Helicopters working non-stop, rescuing those in need. going to be there in a minute. While others who managed to get out safely are reliving the experience. The shock still settling in. We're like, oh, that never happen.
13: And then uh, next thing you know, it's at your door. Then
10: the water had come around the corner, and that's when we started panicking. In the two days since 7,000 residents were ordered to evacuate the city of Merritt, waters have started to recede, but have left bridges, potable water sources, and the wastewater treatment plant compromised.
7: Without that, we cannot bring them back.
10: Merit, Mayor Linda Brown speaking for the first time since residents were ordered to leave on Monday, now pleading with those who've stayed behind to reconsider.
7: Home is what we're used to. On the other hand, it it's um it's really hard on the staff that are are looking after the city at this
9: point. Our priority is doing the assessment work and finding out what needs to be done and then we'll have an idea of how long that work will take.
10: In other words, there's no timeline, leaving everyone in limbo, including these truckers. We're a little
4: bit
11: outside of merit here.
10: Still stuck, waiting at the city limits. Main
4: issue is food and water and knowing what's going to happen next.
10: But it seems things are changing by the minute, no matter where the storm hit.
11: Our water system is, let's just say it's
12: limping.
10: In Princeton, hundreds of homes have been placed under an evacuation alert. That's in addition to the 295 properties currently under an order in the central part of town due to the ability to supply natural gas and safe drinking water.
11: The purpose of putting an alert on it is so people have time to prepare.
10: It's too late for the residents of these homes, an estimated 575 underwater back in Merritt. And for the thousands waiting to know just how long it will be before they can return, well, at this point, it's merely a guessing game. Probably a month, month and a half. Kylie Stanton, Global News. Still ahead, missing in action. I
1: think our military personnel can assist in some of those recovery efforts. Why, some say the decision decades ago to close CFB Chilliwack looks like a bad idea right now. But first, the massive gap in rail traffic with a washout that could take weeks to repair.
11: Watch the Global News in 980 CKNW Leadership Series every Saturday and Sunday in partnership with Fortis, BC. That's Energy at Work.
7: Good evening, and some good news here in Richmond. Final clearing stages of a multi vehicle crash eastbound on Highway 91, just east of Westminster Highway. Through Kermac Cares for Kids, expert repair for your vehicle helps provide expert care for kids. When you choose Kermac, you choose to support BC Children's Hospital. Kermac Cares for Kids. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One, hive of a crash in Richmond.
1: No surprise, the flooding and mudslides have effectively halted all rail traffic through southwestern BC. There have been a number of washouts through the Fraser Canyon. This video sent to us shows a rail bridge washout and derailment near Boston Bar. And while CNN and CP rail crews have made progress in repairing some damaged sections, there's no word on when they'll be able to resume service between Vancouver and Kamloops. Rail and truck traffic at the Port of Vancouver has also been significantly impacted. And the Ministry of Transportation is also reporting a rail bridge washout near Lytton. Now, the military is on its way to help with B.C. flood recovery efforts. As Aaron MacArthur reports, some say the response could have been much quicker had Ottawa not closed a Fraser Valley military base back in the 90s and moved its resources to Alberta instead.
13: It's taken days, but Wednesday, the B.C. government finally, officially asked for help from the Canadian military. Air resources have already been deployed. But ground troops, much harder to come by. Since the closure of CFB Chilliwack in the late 90s, any help offered would have to come from Edmonton.
6: I think there is uh, a discussion that should be had about uh, whether the armed forces has enough presence on in the lower mainland of British Columbia.
13: BC has seen a sharp increase in the number of times troops have been needed. It's a similar situation across the country. In the 10 years leading up to 2006, Canadian troops were called out 12 times for domestic natural disasters. A decade later, and that number almost doubled. And in the last four years, there have been 23 calls from provinces for soldiers, five from BC alone. Experts who study the military believe soldiers should only be used as a last resort, not the first call provincial
3: leaders make. The military probably shouldn't be your medium-term source for now making sure people have proper supplies, of trying to fix broad pumps and dikes that haven't been properly maintained because the province municipalities didn't invest in them properly.
13: With the frequency of natural disasters increasing, experts say instead of turning to the forces, the focus should be on ramping up civilian capacity. Germany and Australia have formalized huge pools of volunteers to be ready in the event they're needed. Far more efficient, and much more cost-effective.
6: The military will always be there to support Canadians in their time of need, without question. What I would argue is that we need to look at what our neighbours, what our, our NATO allies, what our G20 allies are doing to be able to have a civilian response capability.
13: According to the military, it's still in discussions with the provincial government on where its expertise can be best deployed. Once that's established, the resources will need to be staged and transported to B.C., A task made more difficult by the fact that help is
1: thousands of kilometers away. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. The U.S. Coast Guard has been busy in Washington state, which has also been hit by devastating floods. Coast Guard rescue crews dispatched to an area near the community of Forks to help rescue people stranded by rising floodwaters there. They pulled six adults and four children, including a baby, to safety. The state is also cleaning up from torrential rain. The mayor of the town of Sumas, just south of the border, says three out of four homes in his community have been damaged. In Health Matters tonight, a major cruise liner based out of the U.S. is implementing a vaccine mandate for younger children. Disney Cruise Lines confirms anyone aged five and older must be fully immunized against COVID-19 in order to board one of its vessels. That goes into effect on January 13th and applies to sailings both in the U.S. and abroad. Other notable cruise companies in the U.S. have mandates in place for people 12 years end up, but Disney appears to be the one to first extend its requirements to younger children as well. So to those who are stranded, help is on the way. Uh, there's truckers stranded in Hope who can't leave the, their loads behind a look at the airlift to drop supplies where they're needed most and a return to roller land reviving a sport and an historic building all at the same time everyone keeping an eye on the weather these days let's see what's coming up now with Christy mm-hmm.
7: Thanks, Chris. So as we talked about, rainfall pushing in for the South Coast regions tomorrow. Higher elevations, that will be snow. And the interior will also see snow. Here's how much. Minimal amounts expected. However, some snow overnight through the morning hours. It will transition likely to a wet snow or even a few showers in the afternoon. But that's the most important part is the fact that it's minimal. So there's the system there. The good news is it drives out very quickly. So Friday looking dry. Saturday, for the most part, looking dry as well. It's this next system that we're tracking. At this point, it may not shift into the southern parts of the province until late Sunday, more so into our Monday and Tuesday. Here's the regions that we're expecting the majority of the rainfall. It will likely be areas north of Metro Vancouver. Some areas like Abbotsford getting 25 millimeters. Keep in mind, this is four days out. Keep tuning back in for more details. This is a long-range forecast. It just gives you a perspective of where this system may be tracking at this point. In the meantime, your Thursday, we are Expecting wet weather along the north and central coast, a few flurries changing to showers across the south or, sorry, southern interior, south coast, periods of rain by the afternoon. However, minimal amounts, five to seven millimeters expected, two dry days, Friday, Saturday, before that next system dries in, likely late Sunday when we'll start to see that next one. Tonight's central windows weather window for you is not an uplifting one necessarily, but it certainly makes you uh, sort of consider all those being affected. With these two little ones, this is Ella and Zoe looking at the devastation in Abbotsford today.
1: Yeah, big uh, fire in the holding lot for RVs with hundreds of them lost in that fire. It is true. There's a lot going on and making sure that your young ones are well taken care of is important. Well, that brings us to an enthusiastic group of roller skaters bringing an historic Vancouver building back to life. As Sharon Bates shows us, the doors of Rollerland are set to reopen to the public early next month.
5: There's a lot of buzz going on inside the historic Rollerland building. The walls are going up and the floors being prepared, all to get ready for the new tenants excited to return this site back to its roller skating roots. It's so special that we get to be part of bringing this building back into something that everyone in Vancouver and the surrounding areas can now come and enjoy. Yeah. We made the tunes. We got it. You got it. Roller skating in here dates back decades. This Art Deco building was built in 1931. It stands in the shadow of the Pacific Coliseum on the Peony grounds. In 1942, it housed teenage boys during the Japanese Canadian internment. It first opened its doors to roller skating in 1948, officially being named Rollerland in 1974, and served the roller skating community until the early 80s, but still kept the Rollerland name.
10: So excited to finally skate in here.
5: Roller Skate Club started in 2018 by Carla Smith and Lucy Croysdale. It was never about the interest. It was always being able to find a physical place where we could skate. Gradually we found our way into a yoga studio and an art gallery and other weird places with Tiny open place. floor spaces. <laughs> After years of searching for a permanent home, Roller Skate Club has finally found their dream space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so like we're going to have these like LED strip lights oh. on these um truss cords oh. here. The new roller land still needs a little work. But the Roller Skate Club is looking forward to having an indoor space to call home. I think it'll
4: be just a great space for people to like hang out and have fun um, without having to be in the rain, be in the cold.
5: When the doors open to the public on December 4th, there'll be all levels of classes, events, a mini indoor skate park, and short track roller derby. No matter how you roll, the new tenants of Rollerland want to create a fun, inclusive, and supportive community. Yeah,
7: nice one!
5: Yeah! Yeah! Sharon Bates, Global News.
1: Very groovy. Little shoot the duck and memories of Stardust roller
5: rinks. I hate eh? to show
2: my age, which really isn't that high, but uh, there were a few Stardust roller rinks around the lower mainland at one time.
1: Good times.
2: Okay, so the uh, Whitecaps will be the underdog on Saturday when they face Sporting Kansas City in the playoffs.
6: The only way that we can win the game is being on the front foot and being aggressive.
2: Well, that strategy has worked pretty well for Vanny Sartini in the last couple of months. Certainly has. Also coming up,
1: helping stranded truckers delicious meals delivered hot. You're watching Global news hour at 6. Just when it seems like we need the distraction of sports more than ever, some, you know, the flooding is even... Starting to juggle some of those things for Well,
2: us. yeah, actually, I just uh, was told that the uh, B.C. football championships this year, they're going to have to do regional championships. They can't do provincial because of the mm-hmm. roads and
1: situations like that. So,
2: No, champ, no provincial champion. No name. provincial champion. Regional champions this year. Okay, so after their national lampoon vacation road trip, the uh, Canucks are back home tonight against Colorado, whom they lost to 7-1 last week on that road trip. And despite the all-is-calm appearance at Rogers Arena this week, more losses like that would be very bad for Travis Green's future, I'm guessing. Well, there's a Swedish forward who's been scoring. He should be having $7 million a year. Nils Holgander, four goals in his last three games. Guess what this is? You want to guess? That's right. Good for you. That's a power play goal for Colorado, and it's one nothing. ranting in with that one late in the first period. The Abbotsford Canucks have postponed their two home games this Friday and Sunday because of the flooding situation. The Western Hockey League will reschedule Friday's Victoria Kamloops game. They'll play that in February, and the BCHL is going to reschedule eight games from this weekend as well. Now, the Vancouver Whitecaps needed a huge comeback this season, we all know it, just to make the playoffs. And despite being one of the lower seeds going into the playoffs, the Whitecaps are a team that nobody really wants to play. And that includes Sporting Kansas City, who hosts Vancouver on Saturday. Alito to try and double Kansas City's lead. And he does. Sporting Kansas may have dusted the Whitecaps 3-0 at home during
6: Vancouver's only visit to Kansas City, but that was way back in May. And as we all know, the Whitecaps of today are a much improved and some would also say feared side compared to that Caps team of six months ago. Well, you know, that's the difference in personnel. The difference of the fact that uh, we are a completely different team in t- in terms of, uh, I would say, awareness and belief in ourselves. And uh, of course, we also changed tactically. We we played in a different way. I think that uh, the key is try to play what the way that we played here in B.C. Place. So being very aggressive, having a lot of men. Uh, in their half for the pressure, so even if they have more of the ball, but they have the ball in their half and not in our half, uh, so that's the key. No, ride, the Playing off the front foot and attacking is a big reason why the Whitecaps are in the playoffs, but they're also defending better. In that first game against Sporting Kansas, they allowed a staggering 26 shots. In last month's 2-1 victory, they conceded just nine Heading into Kansas City, this is a team that has a tidal wave of confidence behind it.
2: Yes, I don't think anyone would really look forward to playing against us. Um, like I've said many times, we're capable of scoring against every team in the league, and we've shown that. So, I don't feel that uh, they can break us in any way. Like I said, everything can happen in a game, but mentally we're 100% ready to go. Somebody said it best last night. Mexico's national team plays at Azteca Stadium, Canada's national team plays at Ice Tech Stadium. And on the frozen tundra of Commonwealth last night, Canada's 2-1 win over Mexico moved us in the first place in the qualifying group with six games to go. It was Canada's first win in a World Cup qualifying game over Mexico since 1976. And I'm sure Mexico hated playing in 10 below, but when they play at home, they have the advantage of high altitude. So it was kind of a taste of their own medicine. Every
9: country uses... You know the terrains is their advantage. So you know we've seen this this as an advantage. There was a genuine opportunity here to you know bring out the Canadian in our players. Uh, they, they've all grown up on plastic pitches, you know, in in cold conditions. So you know for us we wanted them to feel like it was it was home. And uh, for the Mexicans, you know they had to adapt like we had to adapt to uh, to altitude.
2: All right, so Canada has six games remaining, only two at home against the USA on January 30th. Maybe that'll be at BC Place and also March 27th against Jamaica. But no more Mexico. We took four of six points from Mexico. That is unheard of.
1: There you go. Good for them. All right, thanks very much, Squire. We're going to be back with an airlift to help stranded truckers next. With thousands of people either forced from their homes or stranded far from home, the best of humanity is once again on display as perfect strangers go to great lengths to provide shelter and food. As Nitu Garcha reports, one community group even took to the skies to deliver a warm meal to those who were trapped in hope.
0: The 12 passengers on this helicopter coming to YVR after an only 30-minute-long flight feeling like they were a world away.
5: We we don't have a food, no water over there. And it's hard for this There was no washroom like two days. A group
0: of truckers paying about $500 each to fly out of hope. I'm good now, happy. But not everyone was as lucky. Hundreds remained stranded.
3: These are the backbone of our Canadian economy. Uh, there's truckers stranded in Hope who can't leave their, their loads behind. That's their responsibility.
0: So London Air Services was quick to donate a flight after getting a call on Wednesday from volunteers with the nonprofit Calsa Aid wanting to send food.
3: They're very well organized. They're a fantastic organization. They respond very quickly and in some cases
8: faster than the government. Somebody forwarded me a Facebook post that these group of truckers needed help. Um, I ended up calling them and they explained their situation and they've run out of food that they've packed from home. Um, and so the biggest thing is, is food and tea. And then because there's um, a lot of other people stuck there and I'm sure they can use some fresh fruit, we thought we'd pack that. There's kids, so granola bars and cookies for them. Every elderly person is our auntie and, and, and uncles, right? And so they were here at five o'clock in the morning cooking um, as well as the, the priests
0: here. Some 300 meals from this Vancouver Gurdwara being loaded on board, along with hundreds more freshly made meals from a Surrey Gurdwara, which paid for a private helicopter, feeding truckers within a few hours of takeoff.
3: Thank you so much.
0: Kindness amid the chaos, bringing some much-needed hope to hope. Nitu garja Global News.
1: Wow. Well, I'm I'm glad I'm not stranded there, but that looked like a very delicious meal and what a community effort to get it to those truckers. Last word before we go on the weather from Christy.
7: Yeah, so uh, we are expecting rainfall tomorrow, but at this point, according to River Forecast Centre, we're not expecting it to impact things. We are going to see only about 5 to 7 millimetres and it should push out by early Friday morning.
1: All right, thanks very much, Christy, and thank you, Squire. Thanks, everybody, for watching. Keep it locked here on Global BC for the latest on the emergency situation. Good night.